Thank you for joining us on the sermon podcast for Mars Hill Cumberland Presbyterian Church. We love being able to distribute our sermons in this format, but we would love it even more if you could join us in person at 5208 Crow Mountain Road in Russellville, Arkansas, or online at the Mars Hill Cumberland Presbyterian Church Facebook page. We have Sunday school classes at 9 a.m. with a worship service right after at 10 a.m. Let's now prepare our hearts to hear a message from God's Word. If you have your Bibles, we turn in the Gospel of Luke to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to read uh, a familiar story, Luke 10, 25 through 37. We're going to read a familiar story, and it's going to be a little different this morning than how I would normally preach this parable. I think you'll see why here in a few minutes. But if you have Luke Luke 10, 25-37, go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. Hear the word of the Lord. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he asked him. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, on his journey, came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he went out. Uh, the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, go and do the same. This ends the reading of God's word, the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, this is your word and we are your people. Lord, I ask that you pour your spirit on us. I ask that we would hear you clearly. I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay and that we would know that you have spoken this morning. I ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. My plan was just to continue with 1 John, but after coming in here Thursday morning and thinking and praying about it, the Lord changed my plans, and that's that's okay. This is not going to be a normal sermon. This is going to be me just talking about what I feel deeply that we as a church need this morning. See, churches are like people because churches are made up of people. And sometimes people experience trauma because of what they go through, and they need a healthy way to deal with that trauma and find healing. 
This church went for a few months without a pastor, and there was just Sunday school and some singing. No one was filling the pulpit. And whether or not it was said out loud, there were probably questions about the future of this church. Then you get a pastor, things start going well, then the pandemic hits. We're not meeting in person. More questions arise. When is this going to be over? When can we go back to normal? When will, will there be a new normal after the pandemic? Can we make it through this? And maybe there's other issues that we haven't dealt with internally because we just hope that problems will go away by themselves. Maybe there's conflict, disagreement, unresolved issues. Whenever you have more than one person occupying a single space for any length of time, there will be conflict. People aren't always going to agree with one another. Anybody who has been married for more than two days will tell you that there will be moments of conflict and disagreement. Anybody who has been in a family will tell you that there will be moments of conflict and disagreement. It doesn't mean that you don't love each other. It just means you don't see eye to eye. But what happens when you don't deal with it? What happens if you just let it fester? What happens if you get bitter? What happens if you let unforgiveness settle on your soul? See, when bitterness and unforgiveness are allowed to settle into a church body, then that body becomes wounded, and it's never allowed to heal properly. Sometimes it's that life comes at you so fast that as soon as you get over one thing, another thing hits you. You know, you're sick, you get better, now there's bills and debt. You get caught up on your bills and debt, a loved one passes away, someone else gets sick, there's stress at home, work is building up, and you just don't have time to process it and breathe. And honestly, I think God wants to give somebody room to breathe this morning. Who knows, maybe this isn't for anybody here. If we get done and nobody got anything out of this, then I'll just save these notes for the revival of Paris and we'll call it another Sunday. But I feel strongly in my spirit that this church needs some healing. I feel strongly in my spirit that there, that there could be someone here that needs healing. And so what we see in the text this morning is we see a body that's hurting, we see a person that's helping, and we see a place of healing. Look at the first couple of sentences in Jesus' parable in verse 30. Look what he says. He says, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. To set the scene, this man in Jesus' story has probably just left Jerusalem and has probably been to the temple. He's going home after being in a worship experience where he has been in the presence of God. And we've all been to this place. We've had a good service. We've heard a message from God's Word that touched us. And we're floating on cloud nine on Sunday. But unfortunately, as the sun sets on Sunday, the sun will rise on Monday and we're back to our routine. And so it is with those, with those who leave Jerusalem headed back to Jericho. Now this is a dangerous place. There's a road that goes from Jerusalem to Jericho that was really curvy and it went around a lot of hills and valleys. And it was extremely common for thieves and robbers to hide around the curves and ambush people. But isn't that just like the devil? He will attack you at your most vulnerable. Just because you've been in the presence of God doesn't mean 
You're untouchable. See, the thieves don't care about this man's relationship with God. The thieves don't care about how much he sacrificed in Jerusalem. They don't care about how much tithes he paid in the temple. All they care about is what they can get in the moment. And some of us have had people like that in our lives. They take what they can get and they leave and we're left to pick up the pieces. It leaves us cynical about anybody else that might try to come along and create a relationship with us. That's why when people come to church for a few weeks and they leave, no one is really concerned because, well, they were just probably going to use us anyway. They'll probably just get what they want and leave and there's hurt there's unresolved issues that don't allow you to open up and what's left is a wound that won't heal because we don't even acknowledge that a hurt has taken place you've got to acknowledge the reality of the pain before anything can be done about it so first we see a body that's hurting now we see a person that's helping in verses 31 and 32. Priest happened to be going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. People who are supposed to help, a priest, a Levite, holy men, they can't be bothered to stop and see what's wrong. They swerved and passed by on the other side of the road so they didn't have to be bothered with the victim's mess. And do you know, do you know people like this? It's, it's none of their business. They just move on. There are some churches with some pastors like this. The, the churches are dying. They're hurting. They're angry. They've got unresolved issues. And the pastor doesn't have the backbone to deal with it. They just show up, preach some sermon they found online. They get their paycheck and they go home. And what's sad is that there are some churches who would love a pastor like that because they don't want the preacher to meddle. They want him to preach on sin just as long as it's everybody else's sin. They just want him to mind his own business. Why? Because they don't want anyone messing with their demonic stronghold of unforgiveness. Now, pastor, that's strong wording. Yes, that's exactly what unforgiveness is. It's demonic. According to Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, Jesus says that if you don't forgive others, your Father in heaven will not forgive you of your offenses. That's the Bible. It is a demonic level of pride to hold an account in your mind and in your heart against someone and then go to God and ask for forgiveness for your offenses. We talked about Stephen in Sunday school this morning being killed because he preached the gospel. There is a level of anger against the truth that's natural because our sinful nature causes us to prefer darkness to light. So when someone wants to come in and turn a light on our darkness, we, we get uncomfortable. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to be told that we need to change. We don't want to be told that we're the problem. But Jesus says in John 8 that the truth will set us free. And if we want freedom, we can't keep on deceiving ourselves. People who are supposed to help, and they just leave a dying man on the side of the road. But then look what happens. Verses 33 and 34. But a Samaritan on his journey came up 
And when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Somebody unexpected comes along and pours in the oil and the wine. And we all need somebody in our lives who can help us begin the healing process. This is why relationships are so important. We need people who will not back down. We need people who won't say, well, it's none of my business. We need people who will support us and make our hurt their business. We need people who will help us identify and acknowledge the wound. Think about this scene. How many remember the movie uh, Good Will Hunting? There's this scene in Good Will Hunting where this kid, he's in therapy. Robin Williams plays as the therapist. It was one of Robin Williams' only serious movies. There's this kid goes to therapy. Robin Williams is playing as the therapist, and he's talking about how his dad abused him as a kid, and, and, and Robin Williams' character can tell that there's just some unresolved issues that this kid has that he's not dealing with. And so he, he looks at the kid and he says, it's not your fault. And the kid says, I know it's not my fault. I get it. And then he looks at him again and says, it's not your fault. And the, and the kid goes, I know, I, I know it's not my fault. And he just keeps saying over and over again, it's not your fault. And there's this moment where he breaks, where the kid absolutely breaks down. Matt Damon played as the kid in that movie. And here's a little secret that no one really knows. That moment where Matt Damon's character broke down and began bawling on Robin Williams' shoulder, that was not scripted. They kept it in the movie because it was genuine. But it was not scripted. What happened was, the pain had to be acknowledged. The wound had to be opened up. And someone had to pour in the oil and the wine for the wound to heal. And there's pastors who will not do that. They don't want to get involved. They don't want to lose their job. They don't want to, they don't want to risk their paycheck. You listen to me and listen to me good. If this church is hurting, I will make it my business. If I lose my job, I lose my job. God will take care of me. The church is supposed to be a place of healing for people like this man beaten down by the world and left for dead, but we can't be of help to anybody until we deal with the hurt and disappointment that's been sitting there for years on the surface and nobody's dealt with it. Listen, I don't know what this message means to you this morning. It may not mean anything to you at all. All I know is I was sitting in the sanctuary by myself Thursday morning and I was praying about what it would take to get us to a place where we worship freely and I got the overwhelming feeling that there was a profound amount of unresolved hurt, unforgiveness, and bitterness. So even if nobody acknowledges it, I'm going to leave here this, no this morning knowing that I've read somebody's mail. I've never been more sure of anything in my ministry. This, this church needs to be taken to a place of healing in the presence of the Lord. And there have been pastors and maybe even church members that have come here and taken what they wanted and left. And this morning God is saying prophetically and profoundly that enough is enough. And your heart can either be softened before Him or it can be hardened before Him. 
And this morning, God wants you to know that there's healing for the softened heart. But for the, for the hardened heart, there's only more bitterness and more anger. And soon the bitterness and anger is going to overflow. See, in the lesson this morning, I mentioned that whenever you have a hard heart and you just let it fester, it begins to inform your decisions and it begins to inform your relationships. You wonder why some people are callous and cold and they don't care. It's because the, the, the hardness of their heart has been, it has been overflowing for years and now it's beginning to manifest in their relationships with other people. It's beginning to manifest in the decisions that they make. And we don't want that. We want God to break us. We want to be broken before God because if we, don't, if we don't allow ourselves to be broken before God, He will break us. This morning, if, if this applies to you, let's pray about it. Let's get it out in the open. Let's talk about it. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, this is Your Word. We are Your people. Lord, I... I've done it. I've, I've done everything that I've, I know to do, Lord. This is, this is your word. And so, Lord, you do the work. I leave it in your hands. Apply this to our hearts and lives and bring us to a place of repentance. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's sing. Thank you for joining us for this special message. We hope you were blessed and encouraged by the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Now, may the Lord bless you, keep you, make His face to shine upon you, and give you peace. Amen.